0: On today's episode of the 476ers podcast, Vic and I are going to be breaking down some NBA storylines. Plus, we're going to be giving you some 90s players that we think would be all-stars today. So, yeah, take it away. Uh, uh, Yo, uh, uh justice for the blind just something that'll find in the rhymes that are coming right. from my mind good morning good morning good morning everybody this is episode uh 32 i think of the 476 podcast i haven't done any solo episodes in a while so so it's not like the episodes are really running high which i'm gonna start again next week i plan on it because sometimes i just got to get things off my chest um mm-hmm. uh-huh. Anyway, we have uh, a guest today. As you can see, hopefully, I've changed the format of Zoom so that this works better. So, Vic, say hello. Yo, you. Now you can see both of our lovely faces, but probably everyone will be focused on his more. So, thank God. Um, everybody, welcome to the podcast today. We have a couple things that we're going to talk about. Uh, first, we'll talk about some, uh, some headlines, uh, some basic headlines going on in the NBA. I think there's a few things. There's, there's enough... Uh, there's there's really just two big headlines enough that we can I think fill it up and then we're going to talk about some players that uh, and this was Vic's idea some players that if we could put them in a time machine and bring them in today's NBA maybe they'd even have a better um, a better career and, and you know just to tease it Vic I don't know if I don't know about you I think I only have one Hall of Famer on mine um,
1: I don't know uh... if, you, if any
0: of your guys are in the Hall of Fame. I have one guy who's in the hall of fame. I I think he's in the hall of fame. Pretty sure he is. Um, And yeah, so let's get it popping. So first and foremost, um, the main thing, the NBA is trying to come back. Uh, Now there are a couple things being floated around. It's kind of hard to tell what, 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 what is not just smoke. um, And what is the actual fire first? It started with, Uh, And maybe I'm crazy, you know, we talked yesterday and I said, I thought that, so, so, so I'm sorry, let me take a backtrack. So they're talking about right now is essentially renting out Disney World um, Mm -hmm. for a month or however long they need to do it, packing all the NBA teams and players and executives in Disney World, um, essentially make Disney World into a real life Westworld, uh, (laughs) where the hosts are basketball players. And we are the, uh, you know, the people that come in to for our enjoyment to watch. Um, now, I wrote a poem about this on my website because, um, you know, I am I am distinguished like that about why <laughs> I don't think that's like a great idea. You know, you're trying to you're pulling away players from their families and like their loved ones, for like a six to eight week period, essentially, and saying yeah, you're not going to see anybody you love. You're just going to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. So, so that that's the basic premise. Uh, there was talks about Vegas yesterday. We talked, I said, maybe they would do the West out on Vegas the East out in Orlando, but then that would not be a lot of balance. Uh, cause then all the West teams have to play each other. It'd be a fucking bloodbath. Mm. Um, and the East would, it'd be a bloodbath in a different way. It'd be a bloodbath. Like the, uh, you know, Mayan temples sacrificing villagers to like the sun. <laughs> um, I don't know I don't know what to think Vic what do you think about this I mean I don't even know if it's worth it honestly
1: Yeah it it seems like it's definitely to get to that 70 game mark so that the league doesn't have to pay back any money to advertisers and uh TV contracts like ESPN and TNT um but I don't know it definitely wouldn't be any fans mm-hmm. so it would still be playing in kind of like an empty gym now, I don't necessarily agree with the idea that playing in an empty gym would, like, feel super weird. I mean, it wouldn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the same kind of energy. But we're still talking about guys that are super competitive. Yeah. And it's still going to be televised if they do it. So mm-hmm. they're going to play hard, but it, w- it would definitely be weird. It would feel like, uh, like summer league games, basically. Yep.
0: Yeah, it's also going to be weird seeing guys celebrate threes. Like, who is who is Robin Lopez going to do the tea time three pointer? To? If he hits one, he's going to do it to his team. You know what I mean? Well, the thing is, they would do those
1: things no matter who was watching. <laughs> you think so? I know so. Okay. Yeah, I know so. Yeah, like, what makes like what ma- watching these guys? Sports is great because it's it's reality TV mm-hmm. with no script. Yeah. Right we're like in reality tv like people are picked because they know that they're going to clash these guys are doing what they're always going to do um but it would be funnier though to see them act in those kind of ways without like any response yeah but i mean like i coach high school and like sometimes we don't get a lot of spectators Mm -hmm. people still talking shit people still celebrating they doing their thing it's it's about the competitiveness but it's definitely the money grab Mm -hmm. and they would have to keep everybody in one location because then if not, you still have to put them on planes and expose them to other people. So they, so like last I saw, like literally last night was it being Disney world and Mm -hmm. like just closing the whole park and giving it to the NBA for however long it takes. But I don't know. Like I, I, did you hear, did you hear Steve Kerr when he was asked about it? And he was like, basically in like the very, In the most like political way he can, he's like, please don't fucking make us do this. Yeah. Like, we have nothing left to prove here. Let this just be over.
0: Yeah. It's important to know, too, that Disney owns ESPN. Um, And it's like you said, this is a money grab. I I was talking to to somebody last night about this, and and that's what I said. I mean, the, the TV money is not guaranteed you know what i mean the, the the tv money is to a certain extent now obviously it's it's almost guaranteed like death in taxes because you don't expect the season to get canceled for no particular reason i mean this has come out of nowhere so yeah the oh, yeah. nba wants to guarantee that that money we're talking about uh, hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars uh impossible lost revenue no ticket sales no merchandising mm-hmm. at stadiums so of course the owners want to do this um What's interesting, too, is that LeBron wants to do this. Um, I think he kind of sees tea leaves maybe the ending of his career, thinks he has a great opportunity to win a championship, uh, and doesn't seem like he's, you know, it's just, is it in the best interest? I mean, he's thinking in, in his best interest. Um, this is one of his weaker public moments, you know what I mean? For all the great stuff he's done, that like his tweet last night wasn't the wisest thing. Um, just, I don't know, it it just doesn't seem to make sense now. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. I I don't think they should do this. Um, I I would love to see sports as just a distraction, you know, and the government wants this to happen, not to get too government and political and shit like that, but like, they want this to happen. You know what I mean? Because it's a distraction. It's, it's a service distraction from, uh, missteps and failures, uh, by, by our administration, essentially not again, not to get too fucking into it, but, um, this just seems like if the government wants it to happen, you should be thinking maybe it's not a great idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. It shouldn't have been.
1: Uh, I don't, I don't know if LeBron's biggest motivation is to try and win a championship because okay. this would be a weird one no matter what. Yeah. Right. I, it, he's losing money too. Yeah, for special big part of his salary. He, uh, his shoes aren't selling cuz people can't go to stores. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw uh an, I got an Instagram ad this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh I forget I don't know if it was nba.com or fanatics or whatever whichever one of these companies 60% off jerseys right now. Well, 60%. Luckily right?
0: because you mentioned that my phone is going to pop up that ad momentarily I'm sure <laughs> when I look at Instagram later, you know what I mean? But the
1: thing is is like no one is spending money, yeah. right? Um, and even if you do, like, I bought a WNBA hoodie. It's, who, it's never going to come. Like, it's it's not, not, yes. the only emails I'm getting are like, sorry, we have no idea when it's coming. And it's cool. Like, I'm not pressed about it. But yeah. it's like, it's also the same thing. Like, you know, when you buy something, you want it to come, mm-hmm. in, like, as fast as can. If there's no end in sight, then you're like, I'll buy it later. Yeah. Um, And yeah, man, like, the reason that, the executive office office is taking so much heat because life is so different. Yeah. If he can get life to as as, as normal as possible, then we can become complacent again and we yeah. can act like everything is normal, but it's not. Yeah. Um, but no, they shouldn't. I mean, and it, and it sucks like people losing money sucks, but these people will be all right.
0: Yeah. Correct. We're, so, we're talking about millionaires and billionaires and that that's really the thing that, that I try to stress to people is, 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 you know like fucking elon musk or something who to me is like the fakest smart person in the history of fucking mankind um if you're basing your decision making on what elon musk is saying or something like that and it's not to point out elon musk but he's just one of the more vocal people yeah if you're basing your decision making on what they're saying then you need to reevaluate your life is not their life you know what i mean you cannot fucking relate they're about to spend a month in disney world for us to spend a week in disney world you're going to have to mortgage your future you know what I mean? <laughs> They're yeah. going to get to go there for fucking free and hang out with their homies and play basketball all fucking day. It's a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So aside from that, let's talk yeah. about some logistic things with this. There's just a couple things I want to point out. I just pulled up the standing. So we're not exactly sure what this is going to consist of, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to go out on a fantasy limb here. Cause there has been suggestions that there would maybe be like five games played and then a play in tournament for the mm-hmm. playoffs. Okay, where every team is eligible possibly, um, which I think is banging, R- really is banging because of injuries. Uh, like no one gives a shit with the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers are never going to stand a chance. The Hawks are never going to stand a chance. The Pistons are never going to stand a chance. But a team like the Nets um, could get Kyrie and get Kevin Durant back to do this, and that would suck for the rest of the league. <laughs> you know what I mean? All of a sudden, this playing tournament has the Nets. Maybe not being favorites, but being dangerous enough. Um, who else we got? There's a couple. One. Let me. There was one other one that I was thinking. There's the Nets. Um, Portland would get Nurkic back probably in time, which is another like shitty thing for everybody. And what's <laughs> the other major injury I'm missing here? Um, All the Warriors guys. The Warriors guys would. They would play the Lakers in the first round. Be fan fucking tastic. Um, damn. Who is it? There's somebody here I'm missing. Hold on. I can't remember, but, but the, the, it would be interesting to say the least. Uh, I think, what do you think about a, a, a one-team tournament? I mean, like a, a one-game tournament, you know what I mean? Like, maybe even yeah. for the first two rounds, right? Because the first round shortens it to, I mean, you would have to have a bye. 15 teams in each conference. So let's say the Lakers and Bucks get a bye, right? You'd
1: have to give uh, probably the first four seeds a bye. Well, you'd have to have even
0: numbers, whatever it is.
1: There's 30 teams. So you take four of the 26 teams in the first round.
0: Or you do three teams. No, no, you do three, uh, whatever. I'm not going to do the math right now. It's too much work. Um, I mean, what do you think the thunder get healthy that, you know, there's a couple teams here that if they get healthy, you, you would have to be worried about them. I would think, um, what do you think about this possibility? I mean, a, a one-game playing tournament and fuck, I, you know, I think that could be a window into something. I mean, well, no, actually, more importantly, this is a window into the midseason tournament that Silver's been talking about. This gives him a chance to fuck around with it.
1: Uh, so if this was to happen, then I don't want them to call this an NBA championship. Okay. Because um, the if they're going to do this, then I wouldn't like – I would not like this because then okay. the best team more than likely wouldn't win. Uh, okay. It would be, it'd be March Madness. Um, and, like, like you see with March Madness every year on very rare occasions, you know, is the Final Four chalk. Right? Mm-hmm. Very very rare is it the top four, you not know, one seeds, and then you have a one-on-one, one versus one, rather. Uh, Championship, so I'm not with it unless it's just something different, unless it's just a tournament just to have something and then have some kind of incentives Mm -hmm. i would much uh, because i i think it devalues all the work that was done in the regular season okay so i would rather it be uh, a regular playoff or even like top six instead of two uh instead of the top eight on both sides but if they do that i wouldn't mind having the bottom half of the league have their own tournament Mm -hmm. with draft pick implications
0: well, then that would suck. Well, and, and, and I'm sorry. The other team would be the Wizards that I was thinking about having John Wall back. John well, Wall apparently team. John Wall thinks he's about to shit on the league. Um, yeah. Okay. I listen. I like John Wall. So so, and in to your point, if you did the bottom teams mm-hmm. tournament and you got like a John Wall versus Dame Lillard situation going, I mean, shit. Yeah, I'd pay money to watch that. Um, yeah. For sure. With staff. The bottom tournament might be as fun as the top tournament, honestly. Um, sure. But I think mo- mostly I think it's really a single elimination to decide the playoff teams. Um, and then doing a best of five series after that. I mean, I'm down to see upsets. You know what I mean? And I think that uh, – I just think, like, watching the Blazers beat the Rockets and watching Dame wave goodbye to, to Russ <laughs> would bring peace to my soul. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah. I, you know, maybe they call it the Corona Cup. I don't know. Uh, you know, this was just spitballing ideas. I don't think they're going to call it that either. But what if they did? You know what I mean? We're no. copyrighting that bad boy. They would get, they'd get no sponsors. Yeah.
1: <laughs> none whatsoever. Except for the
0: virus itself. Um. Mm. All right. So let's move on here. I mean, I, I think, you know, th- th- that's pretty much where we stand. Yeah. Don't come back too early. I, I don't. No. Like, I, listen, I'm selfish and I want to talk about basketball. And I started a basketball podcast on the eve of a fucking, uh, world pandemic. pandemic. So yeah, there's a little (laughs) selfishness here that says, yeah, I miss basketball. Uh, I don't miss being depressed game to game by the Sixers. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, I don't miss watching Al fucking Horford play basketball. I don't miss (laughs) watching Alec Burks have a, a a green light that never ceases. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, but whatever. Uh, let's move on. So the G league, let's talk about the G league. Now, if you guys have been paying attention, uh, we have been watching essentially a, a s- small exodus of players uh, of high ranked players that were committed to college teams, uh, who have now decommitted from those college teams and committed to going to the G league. Um, which I think a lot of people read these tea leaves probably two years ago, Uh, maybe I think it was two years ago when they started restructuring pay, pay grades for the G League players. Um, Mm -hmm. and now it's happening. Just seems like a better path. I mean, I know you've done some digging. Why don't you go ahead and tell tell me, tell me what you found. You're the smart one here. (laughs) So,
1: okay. So there was so far, there's three top 20, according to ESPN Mm -hmm. high school players, two of them decommitted the number one prospect who actually never made a decision decided on doing this new G league thing. Okay. So I want to take a step back though, because I think it's important to talk about the D league, uh, G league generally, because like, like I just (laughs) said, it was the D league, the developmental league. Right. And it was supposed to be kind of like baseball where guys that aren't good enough to be on your roster. You put them on this, on this team and this league and let them develop. right? Uh, it did not go well for mm-hmm. a long time. It was very strange. Uh, there was teams sharing mm-hmm. League teams, which is super weird. Why would I share prospects with another yep. team? Um, uh, which shows that they didn't take it serious. Um, it definitely doesn't make any money, but neither does like, you know, single a baseball, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but also, they had weird rules. Like you could only send a guy down to the, the D league twice, mm-hmm. and then he couldn't come back anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it was very, very strange. Uh, fast forwarding, right? Um, Or actually, the other thing too is they weren't getting any real prospects. Yeah. Right, because there was no money. They were making like fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Right. And if they're that. riding. And they're riding buses. Mm-hmm. You know not taking these like private jets and stuff. So it made more sense for them to go overseas mm-hmm. and just play and make money over there, even in a lesser league. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you fast forward, the NBA gets a, a deal with Gatorade, right? Change the name to the G league, um, which increases the, the salary like you were talking about right now they can increase player salary. Uh, this incentivized every single NBA team to get a, a G league team. Um, the smart ones were doing it for a long time. The Spurs, the Rockets, mm-hmm. trying all types of weird stuff. Danny Green is like one of the most successful uh D League slash G League players ever. Mm-hmm. Um, developing and then coming up when he was ready in San Antonio. Um, but even then, like salaries are like a hundred and some thousand dollars, which is great. I'm eighteen years old making a hundred grand, I'm taking that. But yeah. With these other guys, it's like, I can go to school for free, expose myself in a different way, mm-hmm. or go overseas and make even more, depending mm-hmm. on how talented I am. Um, like uh, Brandon Jennings, mm-hmm. like, going over to Italy for a year and then coming back and getting drafted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but what the, what the G League did this year for these specific guys, and it looks like it's going to be the program moving forward, is that instead of those guys being drafted onto a, a G League team, They're going to basically be their own team. Mm. They're going to work out in Los Angeles, get paid $500,000, along with what seems to be some kind of like educational, like lifestyle courses Mm -hmm. about like financing, um, money managing, all different types of things. Um, And then play exhibition games against G League teams. Okay. So they're not going to have like a season. And they're oh. not going to do a ton of traveling. It's mostly like a gap year to work on their game before they get drafted. Mm. Um, and uh, that number one recruiter this is like Jalen Green. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be the number one, projected to be the number one overall pick mm-hmm. in 2021. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty big deal. Now I do want to say that this is not the first time a, a player has gone straight to the, the G league. When it was to the D league, a guy named Latavius Murray Yep. Oh, excuse me, Latavius Williams went straight to the D-League. He was going, mm-hmm. he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, I think it was Arizona. Same thing with Brandon Jennings. They shocker weren't great students. Yeah. Uh didn't do too well on the SAT or ACT yeah. either. So he was gonna follow in those footsteps, but then decided that it made more sense for him to stay home because he didn't mm-hmm. want to go to a foreign country. Um he, two years later. He did end up getting drafted uh, in this late second round in 2010, Mm -hmm. Uh, but obviously didn't make a ton of noise. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was only 6'8", and he was playing power forward, but with no, like, skill, really. Gotcha. Very raw, athletic guy. But anyway, so this isn't super new. What's new (laughs) is the program. Yep. Allowing these guys to basically work out a very uh, favorable playing schedule Already be on, on, the, on the, the NBA's um, salary. Yeah. Right? But, but kind of being free agent still. Yeah. So this is, like, completely unheard of. It's super fascinating. And if you are, you know, a top high school player, could you – like, maybe you can turn down $100,000, mm-hmm. right? Because the G League is, never, is not going to get the same exposure that, you know, Duke's going to get. Mm-hmm. At Ohio state Syracuse. Right. But can you turn down Mm 500,000 and if if you, and if if other top recruits are going, so are the endorsements, so are the scouts.
0: Like, why would you? Yeah, no. And and even to that point, like what is, I, I don't know, you, you probably know better the benefits of college exposure, uh, you know, like going to Duke. how does that benefit some of these guys? Um, but it's it, it just seems like a no brainer. A lot of these guys are coming from situations where, uh, you know, they don't have the money to, to they like are desperate in desperate need of money. They're playing a waiting game with the NCAA um, where they're not going to get paid, not allowed to sell their likeness, which we we're going to talk about in a second, uh, not allowed to sell any of their shit, not allowed to profit from their time in college. And they're waiting, hoping that their that their team, that their parents or their family can succeed. And then you find you find out anyway that there are boosters who are probably taking care of their families on the side. And if the NCAA finds out, then they're gonna get penalized for it anyway. So what's the fucking point? You know what I mean? Why if if you have an opportunity, a real opportunity to get to the NBA what's the point? And even to Brandon Jennings' credit, um, one thing that we should point out, like you said about not being great students, I think people could misconstrue that in some ways without understanding how poor the educational system is in this country, especially for like at-risk youths that live in the inner city where the educational system is not necessarily geared to them. The SATs don't ask questions in a way that is geared to the way that they understand the English language. And sometimes that can hold them back. So Maybe he couldn't get into college. doesn't mean he's not smart. Well, he goes overseas. um, And and mind you, he was in that – did you watch that documentary? I think I told you about it. They had Brandon Jennings. uh, I can't remember what the fuck it was called. It was a basketball documentary. It had Brandon Jennings, Kevin Love. Uh, Michael Beasley was in it. Jared Bayless, by far the worst basketball player that that exists in this documentary. Um, really good college player though. Yeah, yeah, but trash, trash, generally <laughs> in the documentary. But it, it was the first time I realized that Michael Beasley uh, could have been the next anybody he wanted to be, essentially, if he could have gotten it straight. I mean, he dom. If you watch the documentary, he's just dominating. I Think they go to Rocker? They go to Rocker at one point. He's he's just fucking around, which is, becomes a, a like a kind of. You know well, what his career becomes. He's I just fucking around Kansas. the whole time. I watched him at Kansas State. He was yeah. Amazing. He just was. You just seen him go in and out of giving a shit. Um, but was mm-hmm. it just d- dominating? Yep. Um, but credit to to to, to Brandon Jennings. Shortly after that, goes overseas. Um, makes some money. Comes back. Gets drafted. You know, ha- has a you know quiet career. Scores fifty. Uh, like we talked about. Um, he scored a double nickel. Yeah. Yeah. Scored a double nickel as a rookie. As a rookie. Yeah. As a rookie. Um and whatever and he's the first one i remember doing this and and now so now with that said you're starting to see the ncaa all of a sudden are starting to relax some rules you know what i mean because i think that this has probably shook them a little bit rightfully fucking so you know what i mean you were pumping you were bringing in players for no incentive they weren't getting an education you're giving them a free education when they're not even there to get one and everybody fucking knows it right so it's bullshit. You know what I mean? It's been bullshit. Everyone knew it was bullshit and they, and they acted like they cared and then they penalized these players for their making a dollar off of their own likeness or their own work. Mm -hmm. Um, And you, you pushed it too far. And the NBA credit to the NBA, even though the NBA and the NCAA have always had like a handshake kind of partnership. I'm surprised that this happened this way. It almost seems like, you know, it's, it's always been kind of like an unspoken thing. Like, they, you know, hey, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. Players can't come without doing one year in college or after a certain age, blah, 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 blah to make sure that the college system is still, um, is still replenished. But then G League comes in. This is going to happen a lot more often. I would expect this to actually be in, in five years, ten years or so. This will be the trend. There will be players who want to win college championships or who come from more affluent backgrounds who can – waste the time in college can afford to but for the guys that can't afford to like imagine a guy like lebron you know at that level coming out of college why the fuck would he spend a year in in college ben simmons makes the documentary somehow how he didn't even want to fucking go to college it was a waste of his time it was bullshit he would have went he would have done this easily um yeah
1: he definitely would have
0: yeah yeah so i mean i think this is uh i mean what do you what do you expect to, how like how does college respond how do you think the ncaa responds to this
1: so it, there's a lot, I'm, I'm not, in, I, don't, I don't even know, but I would say that what you're going to hear more and more is the benefit of good coaching. Mm-hmm. So until, until this G league program starts getting coaches to the caliber of, you know, uh, coach K Krzyzewski, mm-hmm. Roy Williams. Um, uh, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm, <laughs> sorry, yeah. All these, all these other great coaches, Dave Wright. Sorry. shit. Yeah. Yeah. All these other great coaches that do, in fact, make their players better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be their selling point as far as the athletics. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, you will you, you hear all the best players who played, even, like, the eight months that they're there in, in today's game. Mm-hmm. Like, Jordan would credit so much to Dean Smith, right? Mm-hmm. But even though, like, Zion or Kyrie only played for Coach K for less than a year, he still helped their game, even if it was just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's going to be their big selling point. So they might not get – so, like, these guys who are, like, bound to be lottery picks, no matter what they do,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: maybe they don't go. Yeah. Maybe they just work out. Um, But if you're outside the top 20 uh, rankings,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. then it probably makes more sense for you to still go Mm -hmm. to continue to develop your game but also get – like, real exposure. Yeah, that exposure, yeah. Yeah, real high, high levels of exposure. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, like, there's, there, there's something to talk about, like, there's something to say for, like, having poise
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and being able to live in the moment and also have a feel for the game. And when you're only playing exhibition games, there's not a lot at stake. hmm Right? So they're not these, – these guys are not going to play in, a, you know, a, a Big East tournament. They're not mm-hmm. going to play in a March Madness, right? They're just going to be playing. Yep. which is great which is fine but there's something to be said you know if you're in the to, to lead a team to a final four to take all the big shots to guard the best player and you can only do that in those moments right mm-hmm. be able to prove that you won't wilt mm-hmm. is a huge thing especially if i'm if i'm if i'm using an asset like a, a first second or third overall pick on you
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no that's a great point i think that's that's a good point um Although I do think – I mean, maybe this is a pipe dream, what I'm about to say here, which is possible. It's coming from me, and I say things that are unlikely all the time. I mean, is it possible that some of these colleges – I mean, college coaches – and who knows? This is a conflict of interest, so I don't even know if the NCAA would allow this, that these college coaches would maybe make appearances as some of these things if they really care about the well-being of the players like they claim they do. I mean, they claim to care in that way. Maybe some of them do, maybe some of them don't. Would they show up for some of these players anyway just to help them out, just to help coach, give pointers? I, you know, a day here, oh. a day there. Uh, you don't no. think so? I want to say yes, no. they do. I want to say they do give a shit, no. and they're going to be no. there sometimes.
1: They would lose their jobs.
0: Probably. Would they, to though? Work for the NBA? Yeah. You think Jay Wright would lose his job?
1: Yeah.
0: I don't to, think so.
1: the, NBA, the NBA wouldn't even let him do that. He'd have to be okay. an
0: NBA coach.
1: Oh, I he see. You have you're saying. to get hired as an I NBA. See. He couldn't just come in and be like, yeah, hey, let me help the, you I, guys out.
0: I feel like there are like guys, coaches that are just like Coach K is bigger than college basketball. Is he gonna get fired? Who is he gonna get fired if he get a job tomorrow? You know what I mean? Even if the even if the NCAA fired him, there'd be 30 NBA teams calling for him. You know what I mean?
1: Uh maybe. I don't know if thirty NBA teams not thirty. Won't.
0: It's not gonna be thirty, it's gonna be ten.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, be a ton of them. There's, there's, you you'd be surprised about how many team, how many like professionals, players, executives, owners mm-hmm. wouldn't want something like that in their building.
0: Where as you, long as the Knicks exist as a franchise, Vic, <laughs> they're always going to do it. But the thing is, it. he
1: wouldn't, he wouldn't want to coach the Knicks, though. I don't, I can't see. Coach if he King wants to make
0: a quick thirty million, I, I, I beg to differ. <laughs>
1: But the thing is, like, these guys, mm-hmm. they could have done that yeah. a long time ago. There's yeah. a reason that they stay in college. And, the, and like, part of that is, like, the love of the school, of, of the amateur game, and the mm-hmm. integrity. Coach K wouldn't do that, and that's why he is Coach K. I got you. I got you. Um, so, no, no, they would have to become G League coaches mm-hmm. to coach these kids, uh, or coach these players, yep. and they would not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and no, one last thing too, to your credit, you mentioned about the smarter teams have been using the D league slash G league for a long time. I mean, the, the famously, the most, one of the most famous examples for the basketball layman who may not know this is that the, the Rockets, uh, the Vipers, is that their team? The Houston Vipers, I think something like that. It's called the Houston Vipers. Um, They essentially took the idea of just shooting rebounds or making layups. Just, I mean, I'm just shooting rebounds. Three-pointers or layups. That's what I do is shoot rebounds. I grab them. I, I shoot <laughs> shots I know we're going to miss so I can get the rebound. That's what you call shooting rebounds. The Moses Malone special, I, I add that into my game. Um, no, it's either shoot three-pointers or re – or fucking – Jesus. Three-pointers <laughs> yes. or layups, all right? <laughs> three-pointers or layups. And they won a championship that way in the D-League. Um, so so essentially the, the Rockets organization was testing out this way of playing basketball before, I think this is pre-James Harden maybe, or, or at the very beginning of James Harden when they first make the trade for him. Um, and that's essentially how they adopted the, the game into the NBA. That's why – a big reason why the NBA is the way it is right now is not just Steph. Um, I think people credit Steph and Clay and that movement for that. But every NBA team knows they don't have Steph or Clay. A lot of it has to do with the Rockets, either threes or layups. That's why the mid-range game is phasing out and all that. But um, it started there with the, with the Houston Vipers, I think it was called. Um, yep, the
1: Spurs, they, they run the same exact offense and defense with their G League team mm-hmm. to see if guys are ready. And when they come up, they, they fill in seamlessly. Yep. Um, but the league – as a whole, though, also tries things out. So, like mm-hmm. the uh, like the the new rules, like the fourteen second uh, shot, shot clock, clock. Yeah. after a rebound. Like I'm pretty sure that's they started that with the G League. They were even considering doing a a one for two free throw thing mm-hmm. in the G League to see how that worked to to keep up the pace of the game.
0: Yep. Yeah. No. And the the Elam ending. And I've mentioned this on this podcast before. The Elam ending was obviously tried in the all-star game before mm-hmm. there's a full season of it, it'll be in the G league um, almost a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Before anyone sees it in an actual NBA game that counts towards oh, yeah. the standings, we'll yeah. see it in the G league. Yeah. Um, and I think that will that could happen as early as this. I mean, well, considering what's happening now, who knows, but I would say that could happen either this year or next year, I think probably, probably likely, probably more likely next year um, that we see the Elam mending become a thing in the G league before it becomes a thing in the NBA. So. Um, Cool. Good, good discussion. Let's move on. So now you wanted to do a well, – why don't you give me your motivation for wanting to do this. You wanted to do essentially – I went not a lot of 90s players. I'm going to be honest with you. Everything is 90s player here. Um, tell me what you told me yesterday. Uh, so
1: what I wanted to do was, was look back at guys that we may have forgotten because their games didn't necessarily fit the era they played in. hmm um, which is a conversation that happens more and more, um, but there's so many guys. There's mm-hmm. so many guys, um, especially as like longtime fans, you see so many players rotate in and out of the league. So I thought that we could look at some guys pre two thousands, and I'm going to tell you right now, I cheated on my last one because he's he's such a fast. I think he's so fascinating that I had to bring him up. At is the he end, a point guard? No.
0: Do you have a point guard on your list?
1: Uh no. I can't no. fucking
0: believe that. I thought 1 million yeah. percent there was one guy you were going to pick for sure. And I'm I'm going to be surprised that you didn't, that you don't oh, say
1: that. Oh, 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 actually, I have four guys.
0: Oh, okay. So there's I a fourth guy. That's three. the one I'm guessing. Four.
1: Yeah, I do have one point guard.
0: Okay. Is he from the 70s perhaps? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh shit. Okay, so I'm wrong. You you don't have Pistol P, huh? No. No, because because like uh-huh. I wanted to thi-
1: I wanted to I want to talk about guys that people probably don't remember yeah. and like a, a lay NBA fan, like someone who just watches,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, dunks on House of Highlights mm-hmm. would, would probably never have seen this person.
0: Yep. No. And I think too. So one thing I want to add here is, is I think one of the good things that we're trying to do on this podcast, uh, why we are the better podcasts. Okay, this is why we're the fucking shit. It's because we want to give texture to the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. We're giving texture to, to the MJ as the go. What does that even mean? I had a conversation with a younger dude recently uh, who just who was like, well, who was before MJ? They didn't understand who was before MJ. And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, besides Magic and Larry, there's like Jerry West and Rick Barry and there's Oscar Robertson. There's a lot of guys before MJ that are at different times considered the best players of all time. Yep. And what this is yep. about to do, what I'm glad about the list I picked here is that this is going to add some texture to the NBA guys that it's like, th- these are those guys that um, you're like, man, that guy was good. He may not be a hall of famer, but you knew he was good. He could get a bucket or he could do a bunch of different things on the court. So, um, so this is good. Let, let's, let's start it off. Who's the first name on your list?
1: So the guy near and dear to early two thousand Sixers fans, is uh, Derek Coleman. Oh, let's go, Derek Coleman. Yes, Derek Coleman, um, 6'10", sort of do-it-all, skilled, athletic, and career just never panned out for lots of reasons. In particular, I think he just got so disinterested all the time of just having to stay by the block. Mm -hmm. He had the elbow, set springs and roll, When he was so much more than that. Mm -hmm. So much more than that. Uh, A lefty in the post or the big man position, which is like not a thing that happens super often. Um, And a guy that liked to take jump shots.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, He didn't shoot a lot of threes, which is going to be a theme for this list, because that's not what, you know, Biggs did. Mm -hmm. And when he was drafted, I think he's drafted 91.
0: Yeah, he was definitely, I know he was drafted early. Mm Ninety, Drafted
1: 90, 1990. Um, So, yeah. But if you look at his statistics, uh, his shooting percentages got better, like, as they got further away from the rim. Mm -hmm. So, like, from 3 to 10 feet, he shot really well, which is highest percentages. And then he shoots really poorly between, like, 10 and 16 feet Mm -hmm. on the rim. But then 16 feet out, he actually shoots better. Wow. So, definitely a jump shot. But a guy that could have been like, he could, he could be the center of your offense mm-hmm. because he can handle the ball. He can beat guys off the dribble. He, he was athletic before he started getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good passer, not a great passer, but a good passer. Mm-hmm. And, and today he would have been, he would have been the quote unquote small ball five. But he's still six ten, long arms, and was a freaking nature. So, yep. Yeah, young Derek Coleman would be a problem in 2020. Yeah.
0: There's two things I remember about Derek Coleman. Uh, one thing that's not funny, and one thing that is funny. Uh, the one thing that's not funny, we'll start there. Um, well, I forgot who it was. There was a quote, and I don't know if it was Charles Barkley who said this or Shaq. For some reason, I'm thinking who said this. Uh-huh. Uh, that was basically said like Derek Coleman is like the lost, um, mm. like the lost career or whatever. Like there, yeah. if there well, was Simon someone. who says he, that a lot too what who says
1: bill simmons says it a lot oh
0: simmons yeah simmons says it a lot too but but somebody who played against him who said coleman was the guy like that was it you know what i mean they were they knew that if coleman put it together he was going to be like one of the more terrifying players in the league and and actually i'm pretty sure you go on youtube and type in Derek coleman highlight and you 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 can watch it. You'll watch a, a five-minute highlight film. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube of him just like wrecking the rim, just just being a destructive force. I mean, he was almost as athletic as Charles Barkley was, but six inches taller. So mm-hmm. um, you know, almost almost like a smaller shack, almost you could say. But again, like you said, to your credit with touch. Um now the funny thing I remember is that when we got him, we got him when it was already falling apart for him and he was just overweight all the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember him and Clarence Weatherspoon just like (laughs) the two fattest people on the court at any given moment (laughs) of a basketball game. You know what I mean? And that that was like, that was a team, (laughs) that Clarence Weatherspoon, Derek Coleman combination later gets replicated in some way when we bring Andrew Bynum, here and, and you you know you're like pairing him with elton brand and it's just like oh it's it's falling apart again uh you see that's you know history for the for the sixers if you're a sixers fan it's like but yeah. it was good for a short period and then it starts falling apart and we start getting all these fat guys who have fucked up <laughs> knees um and it, you know that's the end of it and that's what <laughs> i remember the most growing up as a sixers fan about the Derek coleman clarence weatherspoon sixers <laughs> and dana yeah. barrows uh who was who shit we could put on this list honestly Dana Barrows was Steph before Steph in like a very very perfect world um <laughs> you know Dana Barrows I think he scored 60 one time I might be wrong uh I'm gonna go task ahead. you to look up his career high while I talk about my my first guy uh okay. was there anything you wanted to to add about Derek home before we move no, on No, man, go ahead all right I'm gonna go big two then I'm gonna go with Cliff Robinson and unlike okay. you, so you said you, 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 like the guys on your list are not necessarily the, the three point of my mustaches, my shitty mustache is getting in my lips, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> your guys they didn't go necessarily three pointers. I went the opposite. I went with guys in the nineties that would, that are, that were, uh, not allowed to shoot three pointers and in today's NBA would have the greenest of lights, um, to be allowed to shoot threes. And Cliff Robinson is exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cliff Robinson, it's important to note that at different points – so, one, he's 6'10", uh, and he played small forward for a good six years of his career uh, at 6'10". And he was not – he did not move like Kevin Durant. Now, he moved no. well at the time. Uh, yeah. So, so at that time of the NBA, like we talked about the Knicks last week, uh, that they essentially started three power forward centers, um, you know, with Anthony Mason – uh, Oak and Patrick Ewing, uh, Cliff Robinson is like that Anthony Mason guy in today's NBA. He is a small ball, quote unquote, center uh, at the very least, is a power forward in the likes of Chris stapps who is a power forward who could step away from the rim and shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, he he shot uh from the from from three. He shot thirty six percent for his mm-hmm. career. Now this is this is early nineties into mm-hmm. the into early two thousands. That's incredible to think about. There are. No, none of the guys in the 90s are not none of the guys but it's just not it's rare to see people shoot that high of a percentage from three 36 percent is a good three-point percentage in today's nba that's like an average three-point percentage in the 90s that's a fantastic three-point percentage um and in today's nba would be shooting he, he shot 4.4 a game in today's nba would be sh- no i'm sorry am i wrong no he shot three three a game in today's nba that'd be closer to six um and even with that said, not shooting that many threes, his career high in average. He averaged 21 points a game in 94-95 for Portland. Uh, you know, he he is the second best player on that Portland team, arguably, unless I'm missing some. I could be missing somebody, but it's really Clyde and Cliff. Who else is on that team? I'm missing somebody. Uh, but uh,
1: uh, Terry, I'm sorry. Terry Cummings. Terry Cummings, yeah.
0: There's a couple guys, and, and Cliff is – who I'm sure we're going to actually get exposure to on Sunday, I think they, they, they talk about if you've been circling oh, yeah. Twitter. The you see the, stuff. Yeah, you see the quote of <laughs> of MJ being offended uh by being compared to Clyde, which he then uh, effectively eliminates in that finals. But Biff yeah. Robinson was an excellent player, uh would be a a stretch five in today's NBA, would mm-hmm. be allowed to shoot. Uh they didn't grab a lot of rebounds, average five rebounds a game. Um which is trash for a 6'10 player in most cases, but that shows kind of the point. Very Chris Stapps in that way. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, one block a game, not a super d- defensive presence, but that's the point. I mean, I, he would be allowed to, sh- to step away and shoot from, from the basket. Um, is there anything you want to add about Cliff Robinson before your next guy?
1: No, that's a great one. I haven't thought about him in a while. But I
0: also would like to say, though, Derek Coleman will shoot threes mm-hmm. if he now. For sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm just referencing to your point that you didn't want to go three-point heavy. I went three-point heavy. You know what I mean? I'm talking about okay. the guys who are the next Steph and, Steph and Chris Apps, He's <laughs> the only okay. one I can think of. Seven-footer who wants to yeah. shoot threes all day and can't post uh,
1: I also, I came up with a fifth guy while you were talking, so we can both Oh, shit. Fine.
0: Okay, we're going to do one. Uh, Let's do it.
1: Dana Barrows, uh, top Scoring performance, fifty points versus the Rockets in
0: ninety-five. I think we lose that game if I'm not. Oh no! But he was—he on the Sixers during that game?
1: I have no idea. It doesn't I, yeah, it. I can't
0: remember. I'll look it up. Who's your next guy?
1: Uh, my next guy, I'm gonna say, is uh, Danny Manning. Oh, okay. All right. So he was an All Star, but not a household name. Played most of his big, uh, big. Uh, most important years of his career with the Clippers and that's kind of why um, was a very good high school, obviously me, college player. we well, probably, I'm sure a very good high school player as well, but I didn't watch him. Um, the difference with Danny Manny's career and what it, what it would have been is he also would have been shooting a lot more threes. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, he was six ten. He wasn't necessarily the greatest rim protector. But had a post game, but a, a nice, beautiful fluid jump shot, and uh, a, a very good handle for a guy his size too. Not Kevin Durant level handle, but for a center, a, a good handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would have been shooting a ton of threes if he played now. a very, very nice stroke. Uh, him too, his sort of his shooting percentages, like Derek Coleman, get better when he gets further away from the rim. So with very close to the rim, with three, between 3 and 10 feet, very, very good. But that 10 to 16 feet range, he's, off, he's not awful, but not great. And then he gets better mm-hmm. when he gets 16 feet out. So they definitely would have been pushing that, that to, like, 22, 23 feet and would have been a very solid uh, three-point shooter um, and very versatile, too. If teams mm-hmm. go small, he's posting up whoever he got on
0: the, on the block. Now, Danny Manning, he he doesn't even play long with Barkley, right? Am I wrong? He doesn't play that long with Charles, right? I think he's only mean? with Charles for two years, if that.
1: Oh, on with the, the Suns. Oh, on the Suns. Yeah yeah yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Because after that, I mean, he he gets uh, he's he gets to the he gets the Suns in ninety-five. Yeah. Okay. So Barkley's only there. For to like 96 Mm -hmm. or by 96 he might have already been on no he wasn't I think 97 was his first year on the
0: Rockets yeah where 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 Chuck then then goes to championship chase and forgets that he ever did that but it's fine listen we're not here to shit on Chuck we just praised Chuck a week ago I'm not here to take the praise away from him I just want to point that out that he did championship chase at one point um and joined Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon to try to win a championship
1: Oh, and, and then
0: Scottie Pippen joined that team. And, oh, and Scotty Pippen joins that team, yes. And big-headed Kevin Willis, um, who could also be on this list, actually. But anyway. Yeah,
1: he definitely
0: could. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, great. Danny Manning's a good one. Uh, I, I looked up Dana Barrow, so He was on the Sixers at that time. Dana Barrows' career three-point percentage. You want to take a guess?
1: 42?
0: Oh, shit. Oh, man, I felt like I was going to fuck you up. It was 41%. Oh, Okay. Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent. But you know what? Anytime you ask a question like that, you know, like me, right? When somebody says, you wouldn't believe how expensive this was. Guess how much it was. I go and say $15,000. You know what I mean? Like, I go all the way, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, because I don't want to be surprised. Just tell me how much it was. I don't want to play the game. You know what I mean? So I would have said like 53% or something like that. He was shooting 50% easy. Um, All right, Cool. (laughs) <laughs> Let's move on. All right, so my next guy, mm-hmm. I got Glenn Rice. Now Glenn mm-hmm. Rice was my was was he wasn't my favorite basketball player growing up. Charles mm-hmm. Barkley was my favorite basketball player growing up, mm-hmm. uh, and right behind that was like Reggie, and then Glenn Rice, who I loved. I loved Glenn Rice's game. Reggie Miller. I, Reggie Miller. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I always wanted to be a shooter growing up. You know what I mean? That's what I wanted to be because you know I was big, and you know, get get your ass down by the basket. Nobody wants to see you out here. Get to, hey, get to the basket.
1: You're Derek Coleman,
0: man. Yeah, Derek Coleman. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, same weight issues. All the same things. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, Glenn Rice was uh, a guy that I, like, looked up to growing up. And for a few years in the league, he was, like, the real deal. I mean, his 96, oh, yeah. 97 averages 27 points a game. Um, mm-hmm. was that, that Hornets team was fun as shit. You know what I mean? Like, that Hornets team is a banging team. Muggsy, Glenn. Uh, so I think Alonzo might still be there. I think Larry Johnson is still there. Um, and it's just a, like a fantastic team, like a fantastic 90s team, the best, best uniforms maybe ever, um, but like right behind the Grizzlies uniform at that time, which at the time wasn't great, but now has aged extremely well. Um, yeah. But Glenn Rice, uh, career averages of 18 points a game, uh, 85% free throw shooter. Um, 40% three point percentage. Um, just a man kind of, uh, not to say ahead of his time, but you know, is, is, uh, yeah, a little bit ahead of his time. You know what I mean? He was a three point specialist in today's NBA. That's exactly what he would be, but he was still a player who could put the ball on the ground and get to the rim. He could literally do everything on the court. Um, mm-hmm. He averaged his, his career high in free throw attempts to at seven a game, which no surprise ties with his career high in, in points at 27 a game. Um, I'm not going to say he was T-Mac before T-Mac. Cause that's too much T-Mac was, was better, but Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it was kind of similar in the way that he he just had a smooth game, a smooth jump shot. Uh was an excellent player. Um he he spends a couple years on the Lakers. They he, it it's it's a little bit unfair. I think part of the reason why he gets remembered unfairly is because uh shortly after I think Shaq retires, he kind of says that when he went to the Lakers, he thought Glenn Rice was going to be like Glenn Rice, 27 a game, 22 a game, Glenn Rice, Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: that it was going to be Glenn and Shaq. And at that point, it was – little did they know, Glenn was on the back half of his career, um, and his points go down literally every year before the Knicks uh, take him on because that is what the Knicks do. And, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, he's out of the league. So um, he's a guy who in today's NBA, I mean, would fit right the fuck in. You know what I mean? He would fit – Right in career average again, eighteen points a game, four rebounds, two assists. Um, just your typical shooting guard, um, small forward, shooting guard, whatever. Could, could I wonder if he how how tall maybe, was he actually? Maybe
1: maybe I was I was thinking power four, man. Yeah, maybe,
0: he he's six seven eight, and certain lineups could definitely stretch. It could, it could be a stretch four. Um, so yeah, Glenn Rice. That's my next guy.
1: Yeah, Glenn Rice was awesome. Uh, pure pure jump shooter. Um, wasn't the kind of athlete. Like a T-Mac was. So mm-hmm. that's why I think he'd be best suited in 2020 as a power forward. So he wouldn't have to try and run with these guys on the perimeter. But, yeah, definitely would have been a lot better now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next guy that uh, was the guy I just thought of is going to be Rodney Rogers.
0: Oh, Rodney Rogers. Okay.
1: Yeah, Rodney Rogers. 6'7", um, but a lot a lot bigger and stronger and more athletic than a lot of people remember. Um, He also was, or is rather, left-handed. And for his career, shot uh, 45% from the field, but his effective field goal percentage was about 50. His three-point percentage, though, for uh, basically a power forward in his his playing time, and he was drafted in 93, Mm -hmm. was 35% from three. And he only took for his career two, two, two shots a game from three point range. Yeah. So to be a, basically a small ball five mm-hmm. to be built like Zion, be yep. athletic. Uh, and people don't remember if you're listening you haven't seen 90s Rodney Rogers, just Google them. Mm-hmm. Look at them. Look at them highlights. Boy got up um, and shoot 35% from three. Like Zion would kill for that. Yep. Zion would kill for that percentage. Um, so, yeah, he's not the same kind of passer uh, or maybe not even as good as a ball handler. So I think, honestly, Zion's best attribute might be his passing. Mm-hmm. But a guy that definitely can come off the bench, be in spurts of your, your, your center, be, not be the greatest room protector, but at least be able to challenge some shots, but open up the offense. Mm-hmm. Right? You, can't, you can't just leave Rodney alone in the corner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can't just leave him alone. He's going he's gonna to hurt you and he takes five or six threes a game, he'll make four of
0: them. Mm. You know what? What's funny is, is, is you, you said Roddy Rogers, and this is going to get dark in a second, but <laughs> I, only because there was a, a headline that I remembered, not recently, but I was like, man, there's something I remember about Roddy Rogers, and it's that he's he's now paralyzed from his shoulders down. Um, oh, he was, really? like, in a bad accident, but – uh, which is crazy to think about because, like you said, if you Google, if you Google Rodney Rogers, one of the first things you see on YouTube is remembering the Zion Williamson of the '90s, uh, which is exactly what Rodney Rogers was—was was a uh, athletic freak, uh, could rock the rim. Like you said, if you just Google his highlights, you'll see um, someone it, it is. Uh, if I, I'm pretty sure Simmons, uh, you know, he's ran a bunch of pieces about how shitty the Clippers are. And like the Clippers curse. And I think he – because he spends three or four years on the Clippers. And I mm-hmm. think Simmons credits that time as to why Rodney Rogers' career doesn't go – doesn't trend better than it, it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, great pick. Um, yeah, shout-out to Rodney Rogers. All right, let's 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 move on. So I'm going to go uh, – you know what? Okay, I'm going to go kind of to your credit. You just said Rodney Rogers – Kind of like Zion, I'm going to go to somebody who maybe in today's NBA, this is a terrible, this is messy, would be kind of like Luca. He would not be like Luca, but I'm going to just say (laughs) it just so I can make this transition work. I'm going to say Tony Kukoc, who we have not seen. He's gone missing. It seems after his time with the Bulls, uh, maybe Jordan buried him with insults. Yeah, and he hate, he his body thing. has now gone cold, uh, but there was a time. And in in today's oh shit, you know I didn't real look at this. Hit one of his uh, let's look at his nicknames real quick. So Croatian sensation, the waiter, <laughs> that's a funny one. And Euro Magic, um, yeah. Tony Kukoc in today's NBA, um, I think is what we hoped Dario was going to be here on the Sixers. You know what I mean? Was a guy who could really do a lot offensively. He could score. He could shoot. Um, but could also initiate your offense. Um, He played, like, uh, small forward, power forward, but he was 6'10", and today's NBA is – would probably play exclusively power forward, I think, just because he was so slight, Um, but could be a center in some small ball lineups. Um, But, you know, know, only shot three three threes a game, which is, again, that's going to be the case because in the NBA in the 90s, three threes a game is a lot. Um, You know, like, if you took fucking – uh, 90s. I don't know. Uh, I can't think of any of the announcers in the 90s. What What's uh Hubie? If you took 90s Hubie Brown, and you said, "Hey, look at this! Look at this! Uh, look at this box score from 2020," and he saw James Harden took 13 three pointers, he'd probably have a fucking heart attack on live TV. Um, so Tony, back to the point that Tony only took three points, three 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 pointers a game. Um, mm-hmm. would have been a, a more of a three point shooter today, but again, could initiate the offense. Was an excellent passer. Um and i just think that you know it, it, i think that running into mj and pippin in the in the uh in the um, olympics may have ruined his career and his life a little bit probably and again i don't think we're going to see him in here but there was a time you know what i mean in mm-hmm. fact yeah after mj leaves he averages 18 points a game for chicago um before you know we trade for him and and you know just in Typical Sixers fashion, uh, get a guy who's on his way out. Damn, he averaged 20 a game on Atlanta later on. I didn't even realize that. I uh, Only played 17 games at that time. I don't know. His career is a mishmash at the end. Um,
1: yeah. It's, it's fascinating. So, to, to Tony Kukoc, we, I think we should save a lot of this for our, for our last dance pod mm-hmm. on Monday. Yeah. But I, I'll just tease it by saying that I have a lot of thoughts about him and about his career arc mm-hmm. and what could have been different and maybe what he would have been willing to sacrifice especially if he doesn't show up on mm-hmm. the docu series which in my opinion if he doesn't show up for the dream team which is has to be this mm-hmm. this Sunday talking about those olympics then
0: he's not showing up at all yeah because the the the, the not to yeah not to step on on that but if they're going to talk about portland that's the 92 finals mm-hmm. that's the summer before the dream team um yeah so are we not going to see him uh, again i don't think we're going to see him i think he may be scarred emotionally and when we get to him we'll get to get to him or when we do an in memoriam for um you know for the last dance we'll we'll talk about him but um i think that it, just in today's nba you know what i mean we would be seeing a guy that emulates luca or, or we would be calling him larry um, probably with the way he moved, would be closer to that, and and I yeah. think, GMS and and coaches and stuff like that would see this guy and say, man, this is a dude that we could build our offense around. You know what I mean? Who could facilitate the entire offense? Could bring up the ball. I mean, there's a reason why Phil calls the last shot for him. It's not because he wants to alienate Scottie Pippen for no reason. You know what I mean? It's because he fucking right. thinks this guy's capable. So,
2: yeah.
0: um, yeah. So yeah, Tony coach, That's that's the guy. Who's you got next?
1: Yeah, um. Yeah, I love Tony. The difference between Tony and Luca is the, the ball handling. Yep. Luka's an, an expert ball handler. I think uh, Tony would be kind of like some kind of mixture of Derek and Peja, mm. Um where you can initiate the offense, but just also just a deadly shooter.
0: Yeah. Um, or you know two, what? You know what? I'm sorry, not to interrupt you. You know what's a better uh, comparison? Hero circle on the magic. Like – Turkaloo's best time on the Magic would be Tony, I think, even though, but, but probably a better ball handler still, I would think. But in today's NBA, he'd be a he would probably be a better ball handler, I would think. You know what I mean? Coming up now.
1: Maybe, maybe, because mm-hmm. he, he did start his career in Europe, so, mm-hmm. and like they make everybody learn everything. Yeah. Because um, people discount ball handling as an athletic skill where it takes yeah. a lot of uh, quickness and twitch muscle to actually move your hands and arms that quickly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, uh, Yeah, like, yeah, the thing is, he would be better than Tony Kukoc. Mm -hmm. Maybe not in the same kind of, like, still not maybe not the same kind of ball handler, but a guy that can get you your points. Um, And I want to mention, you talked about uh, three-point, Tony Kukoc's three-point attempts in the 90s, only Mm -hmm. being about three. Mm -hmm. In the first half of, excuse me, at the end of the 90s, when Ray Allen is drafted in 96, his first... Four years in the NBA, he shoots three and a half, four and a half, four and five threes a game. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about
0: Ray Allen. Yeah, we're talking about what people are arguably would say is the greatest three-point shooter of all time. And so Steph came and yeah. revolutionizes everything. So, yeah, um, and, and which so, is funny because one point before we move on about three-point okay. shooting, not to get too far off topic. Um, there's like a conversation going on about like, well, who's ever going to pass Steph? And the answer about who's going to pass Steph is James Harden, who shoots historically more three-pointers than Steph does. Not at the same efficient percentage. He'll never pass him in three-point percentage. But in three-point makes, yeah, James Harden has a good chance to pass Steph in three-point makes, uh, depending on how their careers end and whatnot, because James just shoots more threes a game. Um, But that's my last point. I'm sorry not to get too far off topic. Go ahead. Um, So my next guy is going to be one of my favorite –
1: PGs ever the guy who i think probably the most underrated point guard in league history and this is okay. what i thought that you were going to say because i bring him oh up shit all you're all about to all shit all time online time. i think
0: okay go ahead is uh it's mark price son of a bitch <laughs> you have mark price i have mark price you motherfucking right oh uh, all right so go ahead look, mark price uh, i'll get
1: someone uh, else no no you could also elaborate mark price uh so i love him mm-hmm. um only six foot tall, but i pretty sure was the ACC player of the year. Um, finished his career with 15 points per game, about seven assists. She was 47% from the field, which is crazy for a guard. And 40% from three, 90 from the line, um, which is just wild. Mm-hmm. He's, basically, he's basically 50, 40, 90 mm-hmm. in the 90s. Um, he only his these three-point attempts for his career are only three and a half. So, again, mm-hmm. this whole thing. If Mark Price played today, he'd be shooting much more threes. Incredible pick-and-roll player. is the guy who's credited for uh, popularizing, if not creating sort of like the dribble split mm-hmm. between double teams because that's what would happen. After a while, he gets that screen from Brad Doherty or Hot Rod Williams. They start blitzing him. He's dribbling, dribbling between them. Um, would have been a much, much, much better player. Um, he's not sort of the same kind of ball dominant creator that Steve Nash was, mm-hmm. but he would have been a lot closer to Steve Nash, mm-hmm. and probably would have been a probably would have been more willing to shoot the ball more. While Nash was more reluctant to do so. Um, love Steve Nash. Would have never been a great defender because he's only six foot, not the fastest, quickest, or jump the highest, but offensively could have been, like I said, Steve Nash, sort of Steph Curry-like.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, Mark Price is is credited for a lot of the reason why uh, – not credited for a lot of the reason why the game is the, the way today, but, you know, when people talk about – put it this way, when people talk about, like, three-point shooting point guards, they say, wait, well, yeah, he's like Mark Price. They always remind the person of Mark Price. Mm-hmm. Um Mark Price, the reason I said Mark Price was because I thought you were going to pick Pistol Pete, so I said, I'm going to go Mark Price, just in case, you know what I mean? Because Mark Price is like that, you know what I mean? Uh, now, in that, in, even to, to, so in that Bull series that we talked about on Monday against, against the Bulls, uh, when they go five in the shot, the, the series of the shot, Mark Price averages 20 and nine assists, Um so to your point about about him being a pick-and-roll, like, mastermind and also a guy who can split dribbles, they talk about that in the documentary, his ability to split double teams um, in today's NBA. And now this is the guy, too, who I was like – I wasn't sure if he was in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he is in the He's Hall not. of Fame.
1: He's not, and it's crazy.
0: Yeah, and he should be. Uh, he, oh, he should be in the Hall should. of Fame. There's four yeah. years where he gets MVP votes in the NBA during essentially during the Bad Boy Pistons and, and leading up, uh, precluding to MJ's reign. He is considered an MVP candidate those years. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, w- one of the best players of all t- Definitely one of the best point guards. If, if you took a non, let's say you made a non-Hall of Fame team. You say, I'm gonna make a, a team of the best players that are not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Mark Price might be your starting point guard, mm-hmm. with like Chris Webber as your starting power forward, and that'd be beautiful fucking basketball. Except that Chris Webber's gonna call call a timeout, <laughs> a ghost timeout at the end. Of, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I was playing 2K the other day, right? Yeah. This is this is off topic, as you know i want to do. I was playing 2K the other day, and Chris is announcing. He saw he starts talking about fans who talk shit, and he's wow. like, "Yeah, you know, great players need the fans." Um, you know, to like come at them, make the great players be greater. And I was like, I wonder if he feels that way when people bring up the timeout. You know what I mean? Because oh. you know, he literally doesn't talk to anybody from that Michigan team. He's
1: he's incredibly sensitive.
0: I just, yeah, yeah, and he's also the worst announcer. I would start a petition. Yeah, he's pretty bad.
1: He's yeah, terrible. He, he's he, I, bad.
0: So I don't know what he's talking about sometimes. I was watching Game Seven of the Clippers Spurs, uh, which is when um when um. Which, you know what? Actually, this is a good, good aside. We're going to come back to Mark Price in one second. Maybe, maybe not. Mark Price, you're fantastic, and we love yeah, you here. We
1: can move on. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. We love you, Mark. All right? Keep shooting, baby. <laughs> Wherever you are. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So real quick, quick aside, because I've, I've been shitting on Blake Griffin, and, and I shitted on him during that series, that, that seven game against the Spurs, where Chris mm-hmm. Paul hits the game winner. Right. He had – Uh, uh, Blake Griffin averaged 22, 14 and seven that series. And in game seven had 24, 14 and nine (laughs) assists. Um, So I should take that back. Now, again, as we've talked about numbers don't necessarily equal, uh, like impactful production or impactful play. uh, But You know, he was better than I've been giving him credit for, I should say. Because the way way I remember that series being and the way I remember game seven was Chris Paul hobbling around on a fucked up hamstring and carrying that team, essentially. Um, And and that is largely what happens, especially in the fourth quarter. Blake kind of starts hot potatoing a good amount down the stretch. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I just wanted to to, to say that. I want to correct myself because I don't, you know what I mean? I'm not too fucking prideful to correct myself. I'm not going to die on a hill if I was wrong. Um, okay yeah I mean you know what I mean like like listen unless it's Drake or something like, I'll die on a Drake hill like like <laughs> Christian is writing me a piece about how this Drake do you know Drake came out of mixtape today do you know that uh
1: I, th- I heard something about it last night
0: he dropped a mixtape today uh, or this morning this yeah and it's fantastic you know in my opinion now Christian obviously doesn't like it because Christian doesn't fucking like anything uh, right. Christian is one of my friends. You don't know this. And he might even listen to this podcast. So you know what? If you're listening to this podcast, uh, I'm talking about you. And I'm not going to say go fuck yourself because you're writing this piece for me. But after you write the piece for me shitting on this Drake CD, I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Be ready for it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's fantastic. Drake makes better mixtapes than albums. Anyway, um, and I will die on that hill. Okay. But I'm not going to die on the hill about Blake Griffin if I was wrong. All
1: uh, right. So your
0: next player. No. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, my next was Mark Price, but you should on that. Um, my next player then is going to be Drazen Petrovic. Oh, yes.
2: Um, a lot
0: of people have talked about Drazen, uh over the years. You know what I mean? If you don't know, Drazen is <laughs> – oh, shit. His his nickname, the Mozart of the Hoops. What a fantastic oh, nickname. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Most hard of hoops. Um, Drazen Petrovic is one of the best. Uh, just he's in. Now he's in the Hall of Fame, I guess, really for what he did overseas. He comes into the NBA at 25. Uh, yeah. He dies tragically. Mm-hmm. Um, his his he, but but his NBA career is unfulfilled. He before he dies, he's averaging 22 points a game though, uh, four assists, three rebounds. Um, but it's the shot. Uh, He's shooting 44% from three before he dies. He shoots 45% from three, but again, only on 2.4 attempts a game. Um, In today's NBA, it would be, would have the ultimate green light. Uh, This dude was an offense onto himself Um, And I think a lot of people were expecting him to maybe not necessarily go head to head with MJ. I think at the time people were thinking that he could ascend to that level. Um, But in retrospect, I don't think anybody, everyone realizes now there was never going to be any player ever in the history of the NBA that was ever going to ascend to MJ's level. Um, But, uh, you know, again, dies tragically uh, an unfulfilled career, but, him going to the Hall of Fame, I think, is even to his credit because, you know, he dies at 29. Again, a life, like, unfulfilled. Um, and people just knew, you know, his his overseas accomplishments and his talent, which I think sometimes is what, what I think the NBA Hall of Fame gets right sometimes, right, is that they see a guy uh, like Bill Walton, who may not have the career numbers to support a Hall of Fame candidacy, they they view it in the scope that's like, yeah, but his ceiling, everyone knew what it was. They knew that this guy could be the best guy, uh, and they will reward the Hall of Fame based on that, except for Chris Webber, who we just shitted on, but probably should yeah. be in the Hall of Fame.
1: He definitely should be in the Hall of yeah, Fame. Yeah, he should
0: be in the Hall of Fame. As much as it pains me to really? say it, you know what I mean? We got to call a timeout here. I'm so, I am I got to stop the timeout jokes, right? It's over, right? I should stop I should stop the timeout. I mean, t- call a timeout on him, I should say. You know what I mean? Um. <laughs> But the NBA does a great job of rewarding guys based on their ceilings, uh, not necessarily always on their production. And that, I think, is, is partly what why drives and ends up in the Hall of Fame. Or even uh, along the same lines, Arvita Sabonis, who I was actually going to put on this list, too, um, mm-hmm. who, you know, is essentially the original Joker. Um, mm-hmm. uh, ball handling, passing big man. Um, a better and- athlete, though. Yeah, in a better athlete, correct. Uh, well, who knows if he's a better athlete. Joker comes in overweight every year. He might uh, be a better athlete better. than we know. Nope. If you're care- – listen, as someone who knows from experience, okay, when you carry around a few hundred pounds of fat in an offseason and then come around running around, you may not look super athletic, but it's there. Um, so Draza Petrovic, I uh, just wanted to give him that love. Was kind of – actually, I, I would say well, maybe not undersized shooting guard, but 6'5". I guess that's, that's solid. Know, yeah, that's, that's solid. I mean, that's Dwayne Wade-Height, uh, arguably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah Draza right. Petrovic, that's my last guy. I think, I, you know, everyone should know, you know, this is a blueprint. This is the blueprint for, like, uh, for Pages or the Clays and stuff, like, and players, like, uh, of that caliber, that type of player. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my fiery, that's my, that's fiery, my
1: fiery guy. competitor. For sure. Um, my last guy. You're going to laugh. Uh, is, is Mehmet Okur?
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Mehmet Okur. Okay. Let's go about Mehmet. <laughs> do,
1: you, do you remember? Do I you remember,
0: remember Mehmet. Yes. I, I okay. remember him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll listen. I'm trying any joke. I'm just shooting him.
1: Was an NBA champion or mm-hmm. is an NBA champion mm-hmm. and a one-time all-star. Okay.
0: Why is he an All-Star?
1: all-star? Oh, he was. Well, wow, I didn't realize he was an all-star. Oh, he was 2005, six season. He was an all-star.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Uh, he, he was 18, nine, and 2.4 assists a game. In all fairness,
0: and in 2000 25. and 2000, 2005, 2006, there are no centers in the NBA. It's Shaq <laughs> and nobody else. And then it So somebody <laughs> had to go to the all-star game as a center. <laughs> oh, but he, he goes as a power? F- well, he's listed here as a power forward. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, he's he,
1: he played most of his time at uh, him and Carlos Carlos Boozer, Jesus, mm-hmm. which kind of shared minutes there, and then crunch time he'd be the five
0: because
1: mm-hmm. he played a, he played with Greg Ostertag yeah. for a long time.
0: Yeah, I remember Greg Ostertag as well.
1: Yeah, well, we're gonna see a lot of Greg Ostertag getting <laughs> dunked on and laid his ass <laughs> laid up by Jordan. In a few, we're weeks. gonna see it soon. Yep, that's true. Yeah, um, but yeah, so. Memo just uh, another one of these big guys who would have just been a better, more viable player in 2020 because of his fluid jump shot. Mm-hmm. He also was a little, a bit more fluid, just athletically than I think people remember. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I, I'm not by any by any means, I'm not saying he's Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. right? But wouldn't be Jahlil Okafor in a in a switch, but I guess closer to Jahlil than. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davis. But anyway, jump again, the jump shot, right? The jump shot. Uh, in his career, five of his 10 seasons in the league, he shoots 37% or higher from the three-point line.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he's, he's only taking about three a game for his career. But again, that would be closer to six. And if you can still hit 34, 35% at the center position, taking six threes a game, you're incredibly valuable because, again, you can't be left alone out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The high screen and roll pick and pop, if you have a, a a perimeter guy that can penetrate or just create on his own, having a guy like Memo Oco on your Team uh, would be incredibly valuable, even if he's just coming off the bench. Um, not a rim protector. <laughs> No. <laughs> like, um, let's <laughs> like say, like a, a Chris Tapps. Mm-hmm. Um but an opportune rebounder. Mm-hmm. If you go back and watch some of his games, not that you ever would or should. No. Nope. Um, he has a couple <laughs> game winners against teams like the Spurs, where he hides out in that, like, dunker spot, low zone kind of area. When his man goes to help on the dribble drive, he gets the offensive rebound, goes up. He's a, he did that, I think, twice to the Spurs. Mm. Um, if it wasn't in the same season, it was like in back-to-back seasons where he wins a game off offensive rebound. So, yeah, so I, just, I had to end on that <laughs> on him because he's by far the most obscure person on my list.
0: Yeah, you know what? The, the, talking about Mehmet O'Kerr feels like when this offer started, the, the social distancing stuff, when Twitter went on that run that was like, have you seen highlights of this obscure person? Uh, Oh, wait till you see these like fucking, I can't even think of, I I like, I can't even think of one. Like, uh, I I don't, I can't, I can't think. but wait till you see these Tim Hardaway Jr. Jr. Highlights here. You know what I mean? And it's like, what? Look at these Alfred Payton highlights or something. You know what I mean? And that's what Mehmet Okur feels like. Um, But you know what to, 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 all star,
1: all star Mehmet Okur.
0: Sure. To his credit, or to somebody's credit, <laughs> I don't know, to the Utah Jazz fans' credit, I guess. I don't know. You might see him in a couple – if you if you just went on a couple NBA classic games, you might see him just off the strength that you could watch, like, Darren Williams in his prime, um, who at the time was compared to Chris Paul. And Darren Williams spent a, a, a good – a few years playing with O'Kerr. Um, and Carlos Boozer, and, and and to his credit, is part of the reason why they were a good team. I mean, they they were always oh, yeah. top four in the West at that time, and I think people always gave the credit to Carlos Boozer. But who, you know, Carlos M- Boozer, was... Carlos Boozer is most known for regenerating a hairline when he went to Chicago for whatever reason. Um, yeah, the ink, the dye. Yeah, that was head. that was disgusting. You know, it looked like mascara yeah. was running at the end of game. You know what I mean? Uh, it bad. didn't look like that, but it was not good. It wasn't good.
2: No, um,
0: okay. I'm going to add one last guy since we we both had Mark Price. Um, All right, do it. I am going to add Dennis Scott.
2: Okay. Who,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because a few years ago, um, oh, I guess it was the magic when, when they had their, um, I've man, I completely forgot that they had a documentary on the magic, on that magic yeah. team with Shaq and Penny. And I think Mm -hmm. people at that time remembered Dennis Scott a lot better um, because they understood exactly that he would fit seamlessly in today's NBA game. Um, He was a uh, considered a small forward at six, eight, which makes sense. I mean, you know, Shaq's height, he looked shorter than that, I swear, but um, was a sweet shooting uh, small forward, which there really wasn't a lot of actually, especially not at that time at this time, I think it's a little bit – even now, I mean, how many sweet shooting small forwards are there in the NBA right now? Um, the, like, I mean, Luke is not considered a small far- – I mean, listen, I don't know, Pos- positions are getting fucked right now, so who cares? Yeah, but, I yeah it's just, you know, whatever. I guess. I mean, they're say-
1: probably, there's probably – there's more now, but mm-hmm. traditionally small forwards in, like, the 90s, they were Ron Harper, they were mm-hmm. Scottie Pippen, they were these – Athletic freaks of nature that were slashing to the basket. Yep, they weren't guys that would just hang
0: around and wait for a spot of three. Yep, correct. And and, and credits is see they. I mean, I, I you know he gets drafted in ninety ninety one, and ninety one ninety two averages twenty points a game at one point. a so twenty point a game score, four rebounds, two assists that year. Uh, for his career, he shoots forty percent from three on five attempts. Um, which is high for the 90s. Again, like we've mentioned, he goes essentially averaging two for five. In today's NBA, you would pretty much just double that. Um, And, you know, he could fit – he would make a lot of teams better. I I put it this way. If we replaced Toby, who forgot how to shoot – and I don't want to make everything about the fucking Sixers, but, you know, I'm just going to say it. If we replaced Toby, who forgot how to shoot three-pointers when he left the Clippers with Dennis Scott, we would be going to the champ. We'd be finals – uh, you know, and we also have to get Al Horford the fuck out of there, but yeah, that's um, not to make problem. everything about Al Horford again. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Dennis Scott, you know what I mean, uh, uh, is one of the best players on two – is essentially the third wheel on two um, – uh, on uh, – no, they go to the finals once, on one finals team. Um, yeah, 95. Yeah, on the 95 finals team. And, you know, it was the, the optimal player you needed next to Shaq and Penny. You know what I mean? Like if you yep. were building a team today and you have Shaq and Penny, you need, you would pick Dennis Scott. Um, l- literally the perfect three right there. It's like, a, if you're playing NBA jam, that's an excellent three right there to start with. Um, yep. so yeah, Dennis yep. Scott, yep. that's going to be the, my last throw in right there.
1: Yeah. They, he, he essentially was the better version of Richard Lewis on the second incarnation of that team.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great example. That's a, that that's a, a, a great, uh, 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 you know, bringing that full circle when, when they essentially tried to rebuild, they just forgot that they had Dwight Howard to set a You know what I mean? And then they remembered in the most <laughs> excruciating way after. Yeah.
1: When and Vito Turkle wasn't Penny Hardaway either. Yeah.
0: Well, and also remember he remember he signs that contract with Toronto. He signs a big contract with Toronto the next year, and then gets busted for HGH. <laughs> but you. Know, oh I right, always, yeah. Vito yeah. Pito I always thought it was weird that he just pops up on that all star. He pops up in that all star team. I think that's his only all star team he's on. Uh, and and what I thought was weird was there was like a Sunday game, uh, and you know how they like to show players in the locker room or walking down the hall. And in the locker room, Hero was eating the greasiest slice of pizza before the fucking game. And I was like, you're going to play on that? How? (laughs) And we found out how. He was injecting himself with more HGH. He probably registered (laughs) as a woman. You know, what I mean? like a dog uh, would smell pheromones coming off of him, the amount of HGH he was uh, injecting yeah. into himself. But that—that's that's an exaggeration. Uh, anyway, yeah. that's not the point. Dennis Scott, <laughs> fantastic uh, player, um, would fit seamlessly in today's NBA, would be better. Because that's really the point. I think all of these guys yeah. we mentioned is that in today's NBA, would be better than they were, um, would have more successful careers just because teams are smarter. If you put Dennis Scott, like, yeah. would fit perfectly on the Magic right now. I mean, not on the Rockets right now. Imagine that, mm. like. Could a, use. Yeah, gonna say for most of these guys, there's not a team they wouldn't make better in some way. Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent. Again, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at the game. Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. Um, all right. Great. I, I think that, I think that does it. Uh, I think we'll end there. Vic, is there anything you wanted to add or anything you want to plug?
1: Uh, look out for our first political Article coming out next week to talk about the 2020 general election.
0: Yep, it'll be out. It, it actually probably be out uh, this weekend ish uh, once I uh, get it posted. But I'm lazy um, or something. Uh, there'll be that. Look out for a. There will be a piece talking about the Drake album. There might be two pieces because one is going to shit on it, and I need one that's going to love it, and that's going to be my piece. Um, that or you know what? I got something in the works here, uh, an idea in the works, uh, a uh-huh. podcast idea. I'm gonna keep it hush hush, you know what I mean? Um, okay. But I think it's gonna work, and I think it, it, one of the first topics might be the Drake album. So, uh, everybody nice. else, wash your stupid fucking hands, uh, just stay fucking home. Uh, listen, chalk the summer. You know what? I've been positive in the last podcast that we had a chance. But I've been watching too much news, and we don't fucking stand a chance. There's just, there's just angry – you know what? I don't even want to get into it. There's just, A lot of people with guns showing up to governor's office to reopen the country. They just want to die in the most glorious way that they can think of um, without doing anything glorious except for getting sick one time and dying possibly. So stay home. wash your stupid hands. Don't listen to Elon Musk, all right? He can't even figure out a really good electric car. Those fucking people are always losing money. Oh. I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with him. This is about us. Uh yeah, that's it. That's all we got.
2: <laughs>
0: yo. Uh, 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 yo. Justice for the blind. Just something that'll find in the rhymes that are coming from my mind used to
2: come in-